0: Praise the Lord, you guys. Uh, I was going to do part two. I'll, do, I'll get around to that next week or the week after. Hopefully next week, but we'll see. On uh, pornography, you know. But I want to do, uh, do another message today called winning the real Super Bowl. <laughs> Amen? Okay. The Super Bowl is the biggest event in the world as far as, you know, viewership and uh, as far as, like, television and everything, uh, typically. Uh, and it's the biggest stage on earth. Uh, by the way, the the head uh, the middle, uh, the uh, usher is the, you know, the artist, R&B artist, who's headlining the Super Bowl. Just to let you guys know, it's, he's, it's not something, if you're a Christian, you wouldn't really want to be singing to his lyrics because they're very, very perverse, you know? I mean, his most popular song, Yeah, is all about committing adultery and seeing a girl he wants to pick up on, and she's a street lady, or in the street, this lady, and she's a freak in bed, and da-da-da-da. And I don't know why people would even want to have those kinds of songs at their weddings, right? You're having songs about adultery, you just got married, you know, and lascivious sex. And, and he, gets, he wears skirts and stuff and, you know, the gay thing, all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, so I'm just saying, I encourage you, if you're going to watch the Super Bowl, try not to tune into the stuff that could really be a discouragement to your kids, you know, and it's not the best examples, you know. And we're doing a whole thing on him, a whole expose, which will be out Monday. If you could not only watch that, if you, if you feel led, it'll blow you away, what we found with him. Because he was given over to P. Diddy when he was like 14 years old. And not a good guy. A rapper, one of the top rappers ever. And according to Mark Curry, who wrote songs with P. Diddy, that P. Diddy said he did voodoo rituals, told him he did voodoo rituals over his artist to guarantee their success because he was taught that by the executives in the record industry. We show Curry saying that. Very, he's a popular uh, guy out there. And uh, P. Diddy, his, one of his, his main guy is Usher. And then P. Diddy, and some weird things that went on, apparently, between those guys. And then we show uh, P. Diddy list, uh, delivered Justin Bieber to him around the same age, 15 years old or so. He spent a lot of time mentoring Justin Bieber. And they became hit factories after they did their magic and all that stuff. But at what cost, you know? So And we want you to share that with others and get that out because we win a, were able to win a lot of souls to Christ through these videos. Amen? So could some of you say, hey, uh, hopefully, hopefully all of you will say, I'm going to either at least check it out or at least you know try to get it out to others. Share it with others on your Facebook or whatever so people can check out the video. You'll be, you'll be thoroughly blown away. I was, we didn't think we'd find much on Usher because it's more lascivious lyrics that people know he's pretty perverse, you know? And I couldn't believe what I found. And some of it was stuff I'd found a long time ago with connections with rather on P. Diddy because the connection to Usher just became one of, I feel, one of our more powerful Super Bowl videos. So if you could check that out, that would be great. (sighs) You guys, uh, the Super Bowl, you know, most men and many, many women, you know, uh, love sports of some sort or what have you. And it was Paul's favorite analogy to use with Sports in the New Testament, by far and away, you know. He used sports because the Greek culture and the Roman culture was immersed in sports, and Paul used them as illustrations as to how to live the Christian life. And uh, I don't see any more, I mean, Jesus used more of these agrarian illustrations because of Hebrew culture, you know. They weren't into a lot of sports then, you know. Uh, Now uh, Israel's put out some really considerable uh, athletes through the years, but uh, Paul, he's speaking to the Gentiles, and sports to this day are so popular. And what you have to keep in mind is what I think is really a trip is um, when Paul was writing this, Greece had been celebrating the Olympics or, or, or practicing the Olympics every four years. Sound familiar? Well, while Paul was sharing these sports illustrations. In the Roman Empire, starting with Greece, they were doing the Olympics every four years for 1,169 years without interruption, straight. Okay, and that began in uh, uh, 776 BC, all the way until 393 AD, when the Emperor the- the- uh, Theos- uh, Theosis, uh, uh, Theodosius. I think that's not his name. Theodosius put an end to him, okay? That was a long time. So Paul had, you know, people were enamored every four years. Olympics coming up way more than people are today, by the way. Now it's every two years, so they can get more revenue and everything else. And Paul used those Olympics that were going on, along with the Isthmus Games, which were Olympic-esque. They were every year, but they were like kind of the the mini Olympics. So every year, if you were in Corinth, they they were done in Corinth, where Paul gives one of his... Probably his most memorable sports illustration as to how to win the race of life, which is far more important than an Olympic race where you get a perishable wreath, you get eternal life, amen, the crown of life. And that's why I'm talking about, you guys, the things that we go into this world, the contests that we have, the sports that we have, they're nothing in compared, they're, they're smaller games within the bigger game, okay, which is far more than a game. It's heaven and hell, amen. It's real life. So I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus to win uh, the real Super Bowl, okay? The, the, the Christian Super Bowl that we're all in. You're not a spectator. You're not on the sidelines. And It's more important than what's happening on the field today between the 49ers and the Chiefs, by far, because that doesn't have eternal impl- uh, uh, implications, right? Your daily walk and who you are in Jesus has eternal implications, amen? Far more important. So it's very important to get this and So first of all, you want to make sure you win your Super Bowl. You are in the spiritual Super Bowl, okay, a Christian Super Bowl. And we have one shot at it. So first of all, you want to make sure you're on Team Jesus, amen? Amen. How many of you are on Team Jesus? Praise God. You want to make sure you're on Team Jesus. How do you get on Team Jesus? Well, first of all, I love the fact that everybody could be on Team Jesus, every human being, because Jesus died for everyone. And he does not will that any would perish, the Bible says. He wills that all would be come to repentance and be saved, the Scriptures say. Amen. He does not will that any would perish. What a, what a good God. Amen. Amen. So he, he'll draft everybody and anybody if they meet the condition. And the condition isn't, do you have the skills? Do you have really good hands? Are you quick or super strong? Or uh, what are your accomplishments? Were you one of those that almost won the Heisman Trophy you know, we, you know, are you eligible? Are you, they have seven rounds when they draft, seven rounds. First rounds are usually guys that make it most of the time. Second rounders usually, but not all the time. Third rounders should, but might not. A lot of times don't. All the way to the seventh rounder. And then it's interesting, the seventh round is like the last round. Guys that get drafted in the seventh round, because every team picks, then you have another round of picks out of college, and then another round of picks, all the way to the seventh round. But then you get the last pick of the seventh round. When were you drafted? A lot of guys are like, I was drafted number 14 overall. And a lot of these guys, they want to be first-round draft picks. If they're not first-round, man, they feel snubbed if they feel like they should have been. But the, the last pick of the seventh round, you know what his nickname is? Mr. what? Anybody remember? Irrelevant. Mr. Mr. what? Irrelevant. Mr. – oh, oh yeah, the seventh round. they're me were talking to me. I'm Mr. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. That's your nickname. Does anybody know who Mr. Irrelevant was this year? Brock Purdy, well, not last, it was last year, but he's coming to more prominence this year. Even got injured last year at the end of the season. He's called Mr. Irrelevant, you know, a game manager, a backup of a backup, you know, when he went in for Frisco last year. He's called Mr. Irrelevant. But for him, he says that football is not the main thing in his life. It's Jesus, and it didn't matter whether he ultimately got drafted or not because he knows where he's going. He knows who he's following. Amen. He knows the real score, and I like that. I love that. But it's interesting because Jesus died for each and every one of us, but that doesn't mean we're automatically saved, amen? Amen. There's conditions as to whether we will be drafted or not. He wants to bring us on his team, make us part of Team Jesus. But we must have repentant faith. What's repentant faith? Faith that is repentant in quality. It's a true faith, a turning to Christ in sincerity, amen? So there must be repentance. Jesus said in Luke 13.3, and he said the same thing in 13.5, in case you missed it, in case his audience missed it, unless you, what, repent, you will all likewise, what, Parish. perish. You're going to go to hell if you don't repent. So you have to repent, okay? And, the, and it's interesting, the word repent, and you see it over and over again. In fact, three different times you see repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. Sometimes you see just have faith, believe. Sometimes you see just repent or perish, just the word repents, without faith. Why are they sometimes together and why are they sometimes separated? Because true faith has, is, is repentant faith. What do I mean by that? True faith isn't just mental assent. Oh, I believe that Jesus is Lord, but you don't follow him, amen? You could believe objectively that that chair would hold you up, but until you sit down in that chair, you're not exercising that faith and it's not holding you up, Amen. You can believe in your brain, Jesus says, but until you lean into him in faith, until you turn to him and come to him, right? And that's the repentant faith. That's a faith that turns away from evil to Christ. In fact, a lot of times we talk about the Greek word for faith is, is, you know, uh, metanoia. It's a beautiful, beautiful Greek word, you know. A lot of my witnessing, our witnessing is metanoia, come to Christ, turn from evil to Christ, have a change of heart, change of mind, which will lead to good works. The good works don't save you, but true faith leads to good works. Amen? They're just evidence of your salvation. But there's another, Greek, another Hebrew word. The main Hebrew word for repentance is shuv, uh, spelled S-H-U-V, but pronounced shuv in uh, Hebrew. And I love that word because you know what it means? It means to return. It means to turn back. You ever drive down the road and... You know, all of a sudden, you know, we rely not on Thomas guides like I used to when I used to work out in Beverly Hills and all these things. I'd use my Thomas guide. Now we've got, you know, electronics, and we rely on uh, GP, GPS, right? And let's say you're going direction, but you get off track. You take a wrong turn, and you're way away from where you're going. What, what does GPS do? Redrout you, redirects you, right? Back to where you are supposed to be going. And when you turn around you do that U-turn, that's shuv. You're going back okay, uh, repentance, shuv, is a spiritual U-turn, whereby you go back to Jesus, amen? So if you turn from your rebellion because you believe Jesus can save you, that's just objective as long as you believe that. So in one sense, faith repentance comes before faith as far as saving faith goes, but belief happens before repentance in another way. And some people say, oh, well, you we have to believe before you can repent. Why would you repent if you don't believe? So faith comes before repentance. But every time you see the order in the New Testament, it's always repentance before faith, how does it make sense? It makes real sense. I can be really tired. Oh, my knee's really hurting me, which is a lot better. And and keep Riley in prayer because he got his operation and he's getting some, starting to look better, uh, his knee, because that's I talked to you guys about that a couple weeks ago. Praise the Lord, Riley. We're happy for you, you know, and, and Lauren. Uh, but if my, uh, and he's like really hurting, it's like oh, there's a there's a chair it would really comfort me to go sit on that chair. Which I'm fine right now. That's not a hint. I don't want a chair right now. So, uh, so, so I'm like thinking. No, I believe, but that's not saving belief. When I repent and turn toward away from what I was doing to the chair and go toward it in my heart, like as soon as I think in my heart, yes, that's then the repentance starts. Amen. And then when I sit in the chair, that's the consummation of repentance. That's faith. Amen. I'm exercising my faith. Do you follow that? It's really nice to understand these theological, with some kind of theological precision, because there's so much confusion in the body of Christ, but it's not that complicated when you break it down. But we have to have repentant faith, because we're saved by grace through faith. faith. Amen. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. He died for each and every one of us, amen. Paid for all of our sins, amen. Provided salvation in his, and cried out to tell us, I paid in full, he paid the fine. The thing is, the one who wants to draft us, we're his worst, we're his big enemies. We're going the wrong way. We hate it on the coach. We might even use his name in vain as several times, amen? amen. But he loves us so much, he wants to be on a team, not based on anything we've done good, because we don't earn anything, but because he loves us and wants us to be on his team. So you come to him in faith, amen? And that's how you start the race, amen? That's how you start the race. So you have to ask a question. I mean, you know, and it's by his Holy Spirit he draws us, amen? Jesus says, you know, (laughs) Jesus says, uh, nobody can come to me unless the Father, what, draws him. So if he didn't draw us, we'd just be going our merry way, Amen? But Jesus said, "You know, so will the Father." He's talked about the Son of Man be lifted up, and He would draw all men to Himself. Amen. So He draws everyone by His Spirit, but not everybody responds. Right. And you have to respond and do that spiritual U-turn. But it's, I love what Paul or Peter says in Acts chapter uh, three, verse twenty-six. He says, "God raised up His servant Jesus and sent Him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways." Amen. So repentance is turning from wicked way your wicked ways to Jesus. You know. And uh, it's important to get that. So, uh, and, and we turn from that broad road because we need the shoe. we need to be redirected by God's GPS, amen? amen. By the, the call of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit and respond to that and get on the narrow road. I was talking to Liam uh, yesterday. Liam's, about, I think, 10, 11 years old now. Liam's 11 years old. And he said, Pastor Joey he goes, I got two picks yesterday, two interceptions. Now, come on. If you get one interception in football at that age, a lot of times kids can't even catch it at that point, right? They can't catch very well. You get one pick in a season, that's good. He told me he got two in one game. I'm like, wow. He goes, yeah, the first one I caught, you know, it was an overthrown. I got it. I just started running into the crowd, you know, because the offense then became the defense. He starts running into them, trying to get to the goal line. He goes, I only got like eight or nine yards, you know? And right now he's young. He's playing flag football, right? He goes, and they stopped me. And I'm like, well, what happened in the second pick? He goes, he goes. That came to me, and I'm like, I'm not running in the crowd. I don't want to go the the Broadway. I rode, I ran the narrow way around everybody, and I scored a touchdown, a to pick six, <laughs> woohoo! And I'm like, I'm like, this guy's gonna be a preacher, man. In <laughs> <laughs> one way or another, amen. I just blessed my heart so much to hear that. I'm like, he's sharing with me, and he's building it in. He doesn't like, you know what I'm saying? How this, he just breaks it down. He likes to expect me to get it. I better get it, right? I go, wow, so you took the narrow road instead of the broad road, and you scored. Praise the Lord, Liam. <laughs> I love that kid, man. He's got that beaming, you know, he loves the Lord. It's beautiful. But you need to make sure you're on the narrow road. Are you on the narrow road? Have you taken the narrow road? If you're on the broad road, I encourage you, get off that broad road. Jesus said it leads to destruction. Jesus says, but narrow's gate, gate straight as it leads to life, right? You want to have eternal life. Jesus says, what well, it a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Amen. Jesus says, if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it, right, then you'll save it because you'll be saved by Jesus. So you want to make sure you're on the narrow road. So you want to make sure you're on team Jesus. Next, you want to play for an audience of one. You want to play for an audience of one. We don't play. We don't do our work so we can be seen of men. Jesus says, that's not our motive. Now, he wants us to do good works, that men would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. But our motivation is to serve him, amen. And by serving him, if people notice, and they will notice, then they'll glorify your Father, not you. Amen. Because you'll be pointing people to Jesus, amen. So you want to play for an audience of one. Look at, Paul uses these racing out, this race, he uses the Olympics over and over and over and over again of his day. And look at Philippians chapter 1. Look at what Paul's, Paul's emphasis is in Philippians chapter 1. In verse 21, Paul says something very important. And now he's writing from a Roman prison. He's writing to the church of Philippi from a Roman prison. Um, many believe at this point he's in chains between guards, you know. And at the same time, he doesn't stop his race. He doesn't get bitter with God and get upset, man, I ain't racing anymore. No, man, he's excited about sharing the gospel. In fact, in chapter one, he talks about how he's, that God allowed this to happen to him for to further the gospel, and that praetorium Garden and, and palace, people in Caesar's palace are hearing the gospel because of his imprisonment. Wow. But look what he says in Philippians 121. For to me, for to me, to live is what? Christ. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. He's like, man, even if I die, even if I get beheaded, man, I'm going to be with Jesus. To live is Christ. It's got to be about Jesus, amen? And for Paul, it was about Jesus. And when your life is about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you go through, you will, you will be victorious. If you are in prison for preaching the gospel and you're like and people are spinning upon you and saying horrible things to you and talking about putting you to death and stuff, you can still rejoice because you're serving an audience of one. Amen. Paul said, if I was a servant of men, I would not be, if I feared men, he said he goes, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I sought to please men in Galatians, he says, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. So you should not be saying, well, you know. I want everybody to think I'm a good guy. So then you become this chameleon wherever you're at. You just try to be nice to those people. And, and you don't have any spiritual fortitude. You don't have any vertebrae in your back. You know? That's cowardly. You know? And the Bible warns about not being cowardly. That we need to stand up for the gospel. Amen? And it's really awesome because Paul did stand up for the gospel. And he didn't care if he even lost his head. Because for him to live was Christ. And to die is gain. Jesus says, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. For they spoke well of the false prophets. Whew. Wow. That's, that's interesting. So look at Philippians uh, 3.14. Press on toward the goal for the what? Prize of the what? Upward call of God in who? Christ Jesus, man. We want to fulfill the heavenly call on our lives. We're the holy brethren, Hebrews 3.1, partakers of the heavenly calling. And that calling is the upward call, the heavenly call. In Christ Jesus, the focal point is Jesus. Ultimately, the context there is a resurrection from the dead. The the resurrection in Christ. And that needs to be the focus is Jesus. In fact, it's interesting, Brock Purdy was being interviewed uh, and he said a lot of, some players and athletes and musicians and just a bunch of millions of people in America are now practicing a form of witchcraft. They're manifesting. They're visualizing their success and claiming it, naming it, claiming it. It's in the church, the naming and claiming it crowd. It's it's not, it's witchcraft. It's not, it's truth. And all kinds of people in the world are doing it, New Agers and everything else. It's interesting because Brock Purdy says that he's not manifesting. He said, I'm not looking in the mirror at myself and saying, yeah, you know, (laughs) uh, I'm good. He's not just, uh, he says, I don't do that. He goes, I don't stand in the mirror and look and say, I'm good and just have these positive confessions. He says, uh, he states uh, that, well, he, he says he doesn't do that. He says his faith is in Jesus. He's trusting Jesus. No one expected him to get this far. He's Mr. Irrelevant. The last guy taken in the draft. Mm, the last shall be what? First? That doesn't always work out in this world. You know? He might lose the Super Bowl. A lot of people are picking them to lose because Kansas City is like the new New England for so many people. you know. Uh, did you ever realize why Kansas City, they dress in Red? And they got those horns. If you look in the back of their uh, the tail, no, I'm kidding. I'm teasing you guys. <laughs> if you're a Kansas City fan, I'm playing with you. I, like, I love a lot of the Kansas City players too. But uh, it's interesting. In January, uh, they won a big playoff game and it was a big comeback. In the second half, they came back. Sorry, Buck, Kathy, over the Lions. And the Lions are now a pretty awesome team though, so that's pretty cool. But uh, they came back on, on the Lions and Lions had that game, you know. And they came back, and now they're ready to advance, and they're doing that today to Super Bowl 58. And it's interesting, but who's first? Now, Purdy could fall on his face after this. I could do this, and you're like, yeah, oh, he talked all about or Purdy, and look what happened. Yeah, well, guess what? We're in a race. He's in the race. I don't know what's going to happen with him. But I'm praying Pray for that guy, amen? Pray for the other Christian athletes, because they represent Christ, and millions of people are listening to what they're saying. I, I'm very happy that there's opportunities for believers to be heard in this world. Amen? That's, that's a good thing. He says, first of all, glory to God. This was after they won the game against the Lions to get to the Super Bowl, okay? He's given us this opportunity, and for us, it's a team sport. He says, you know, uh, we knew we had uh, one half left. Defense did their job. Boys on offense took care of business. Coach called the great game, and we had the faithful behind us. He talked about the fans uh, the whole way. We love you guys and so forth. But he always, first, I want to give glory to God. I remember Kirk Warner, you know, the Rams, they won the Super Bowl, and uh, he was amazing job as quarterback. He was like a box boy. He didn't think he was going to make it. didn't make the NFL. He was you know, box boy at a supermarket. Praise God, he's doing it for Jesus. And then he got picked up, and he became one of the best quarterbacks ever. Won, and after the Super Bowl, there was all the celebration. They go, first things first, he's been asked. They don't want him to talk about Jesus. First things first. This game, when you did, he goes, first things first. I want to give glory to Jesus Christ, you know? And then he started a ministry called First Things First. (laughs) Uh, So pray for these guys. I love that. But Jesus needs to be first in our lives. Amen. Amen. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Right? And he says, it's no longer I live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. The greatest commandment is to love who? The Lord your God with the whole heart, soul, strength, and might. Amen. Praise God. It's funny because I had two different messages I was working on uh, for Sunday today, praying, do I do pornography or do I wait on that one, Lord? And also a little bit on uh, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, the good shepherd. I was working on both those off and on and more of the the other one and then the other one I'd done a lot of work on and I kept praying about it and I got just convicted, I kept praying. I thought, you know what? Late last night, I was like, I'm going to do one on the Super Bowl, Right? And I looked around and got some ideas and stuff, and I was just not happy with the ideas. I was, you know, and I went to bed just crying out to the Lord. Poor Lisa. We got to bed kind of late. I turned on my light over and over again because I just prayed through a lot of the night of just, Lord, give me illustrations to illustrate with your Scripture, winning this race. A lot of what I'm sharing for me for you is just with Scripture. These are scriptures that live in my heart, you know, uh, that I think are just so awesome. So first, you know, we want to make sure we've been drafted. You want to make sure you've come to Jesus. Amen. And number two, you want to make sure that you put the head coach first. Head coach is Jesus. Amen. I'm just an assistant coach. Okay. I'm just a mere assistant pointing people to the head coach. Amen. Amen. And any of us are assistant coaches when we're coaching other people to other people to follow Jesus. Number three, be a team player. Be a team player. You know, one of the scriptures you hear all the time by the NFL, you hear it in basketball, you know, you hear it over and over again in, in a lot of sports. Uh, they'll say, and, and if you didn't know better, if you don't know the Bible, you think it's just a sports, analogy. It's a sports term, you know. Iron sharpens iron. I always hear, you know, NFL players, NBA, MLB guys say that to you. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Iron. Sharpens. And I don't know if a lot of them know it's Scripture, you know. But the, that's the concept because of the spiritual war that we're in. We need each other. Amen. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And go ahead and look at uh, verse 1. Therefore, verse 1, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. We have this upward calling, Jesus. Amen. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He's addressing holy brethren. He's addressing those who have made the cut, those who are on team Jesus. Amen. And then look at verse 6. He tells them, But Christ was faithful, a faithful son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Look at verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that what? Falls away from the living God. Look at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we what? Hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. The verse I skipped is verse 13. This is the verse that encourages us how to help each other make sure that we hold firm to the end, that we finish our race. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another once a month. Is that what it says? Once a week on Sunday mornings. No, that's not what it says. On Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Is that what it says? No, although that's important. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called the day so that none of you will be what? Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Guess what? It shows me in the Word of God that if we're not encouraging each other daily, and they didn't have cell phones back then, did they? They couldn't write emails to each other. Amen? Amen? It was pretty difficult to get around your brothers and sisters every day. Right? A lot of these that are reading this are, you know, some of them are enslaved. It's hard to even leave the master. I mean, how do you do this? He's wanting them to go out of their way to make sure they're encouraging each other. Shame on us when we have cell phones, when we have emails, when we have when we can call each other, we can encourage each other. And when we while we're free, a lot of countries it's so hard to do this. It, throughout the Roman Empire, there were waves of persecution where you, if you were sharing the gospel with the lost or meeting together, you could be heavily persecuted and you lose your head. We have no excuse. We need to use the freedom that we have right now and make sure we're getting together our brothers and sisters. Are you getting together with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, it's easy because here you are. So praise the Lord, you know. That's a good thing. But are you doing it more than Sunday mornings? I want to encourage you. Don't be, don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Those, that's an oxymoron. Amen. Can't be a Lone Ranger to be a Christian because as a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ. You need to be encouraging other brothers and sisters. Well, if you're, well, what if I'm on the island of Patmos like John was, or I can't? Well, if you can't, that's one thing. But if you're unwilling to and you don't want to, you got to check your heart and say, God, I'm not obeying your word. If you can't, you can still pray for them. Amen. If you're in prison and you're isolated and you're in, you know You're in solitary confinement. You can still be praying for people. In fact, that's how you keep your sanity, by talking to the Lord. You wouldn't lose your mind as as fast at all, really, if you keep Christ-centered. So it's important that we encourage each other daily. So don't just come to church. And by the way, I always remind you, we're all ministers, amen? Amen. Are you ministering to others? It's so important that we're ministering to others. When I was a young Christian, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. But man, I just wanted to be around my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I didn't know any Christians yet. So I was like, who are the Christians reading this book? they got to be around. Praise God, they're millions and millions and millions strong. But then I was able to find a church and then find other believers. And they became closer to me. And I don't mean this in a negative way toward my family. And praise God, one by one, all my family members, eventually all seven of us came to Jesus. But not the first year or so, year and a half. And I was closer to my believing brothers and family than my non-believing family. Then my believing family started coming to Christ. It's like, wow. Talk about closeness. I was like, wow, how beautiful is this? But you know what? I knew that I needed to be an encouragement to others and be encouraged. And man, when I started hanging out with other brothers and sisters in Christ, my walk got so much easier, so much more beautiful, became precious. And I, 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 you guys are precious to me. There's no place I'd rather be than with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? In Christ. Of course, Christ is first in his presence. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, Wow. And we get to be this way forever and ever with total perfection. No flesh, world, and the devil. Amen. So praise God. Make sure you're in fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10. We look at Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, this is one of the strongest warnings against falling away. And he uses the race analogy in chapter 12. But it's one of the strongest warnings in verses 26 through 31 about falling away from the faith. After you've been sanctified by the blood of Christ, he says. And your heart, he talks about, he shows how the heart can become so hard and that you insult the spirit of grace. And you trample on the foot the blood of Christ by which you are sanctified. And that it's a horrible thing, you know, to fall in the hands of the living God. And God will judge his people. That's all in 26 through 31. But I don't want to read that text because I only have so much time. I want to look at the verses right before that that help that not happen to you. Go ahead and look at verse uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Go ahead and look at verse... twenty three. Let us what? Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us what? Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Look at verse 25. Not what? Forsaking. Forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. So as do you guys see the day of Christ drawing near? Do you see signs and everything else of it coming? We should be getting together all the more as we see that. Amen. Not less. Oh, it's hard to go out. I might get persecuted. You know? No, you need to be getting together all the more with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So you need to make an effort to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. Okay. Okay, and there's the synagogue. upper Sunagoge. is the, the word synagogue from the word, we get the word synagogue from it, it's a gathering. It's supposed to get together other brothers and sisters. And it's when we get together that we're able, what? To encourage each other. Because you're always distant from everybody. And praise God, I know a ton of our live streamers, and, and we praise God that you're part of our fellowship. You, we got so many beautiful live streamers. It seems a lot of the live streamers are the ones that visit every week, you know. And we love you guys. And a lot of them have a hard time finding a solid fellowship. We still encourage them. Find a fellowship that's close to solid still, you know, and try to be encouragement there. But, and sometimes you're able to do that until it becomes just way, you know, wonky, you know. But if you can, uh, if you can't, you know, find uh, fellowship it, because there's like just, it's so apostated. People are so out there where your region is. I say try to get together with believers in your area even. At least on live stream, get together with these chats and fellowship with people. Encourage them. Find friends in Jesus, amen. If you get a little assembly together, you know, little, just a little group right? And then break bread together. Do communion, you know. Get people, people get saved. Have baptisms. I encourage you, man. Be serious about Jesus and let's grow the kingdom in the midst of this fallen world and be lights and and salt in this world. Amen? Amen? So we need to make sure that we're fellowshipping with one another and that we're encouraging one another and that we're sharpening each other. And in the NFL, one thing you'll see today if you watch the game, you'll see the guys sitting together talking on the sidelines, encouraging each other, going over plays, going over what happened here, how did we blow this call, or what, how did we not execute what we're supposed to in this play. You'll see different things given to the quarterback. You look at guys in defense talking. You'll see them on the field. What will they do in the offense? They'll get together and huddle, Right. Okay, they're not just trying to stay warm, you know. They're, they're, they're talking. The quarterback's talking. Somebody else might even call the play, gets it in there. They're, they're having a huddle. Well, as Christians, we need to have holy huddles, amen. We need to make sure that we're fellowshipping, that we're praying for one another, that we're encouraging. When they get hurt, someone gets hurt, man, they literally, a lot of times, when somebody gets severely hurt, you'll see different guys out and many guys fall, around, fall on their knees and start praying right there. How much more should we be doing that for the Christian Super Bowl? Praying for our brothers and sisters who are hurting, amen, and helping them up. The Bible says two are better than one, for if one falls, the other one can help them up. Amen? So we need each other. We need to make sure that we stay in fellowship. And to win the Christian Super Bowl, we need to make sure that we're encouraging our brothers and sisters and staying on the straight and narrow so we can encourage our brothers and sisters to uh, win the big one. Amen? So that's very, very important. Now, uh, another way that we need to make sure to win the race is we want to make sure we don't wrong, run the wrong way and that we don't look back. Years ago, I played a college game, famous college game, because the guy got an interception. He was all excited, and he got disorientated, and he ran the wrong way. And they tried to, his own guys are trying to tackle him before he gets into the end zone, you know. Not that it would be six points for the, the other team, but it would be two points with the safety, right? And uh, that's happened more than once. It happens with kids more often than you might think, you know. We want to make sure that we're going in the right direction, and we want to make sure that we don't look back. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Now, it's interesting because Paul, in Philippians, uh, he gives an example of the race. He talks about running running the race and so forth in in Philippians. And then in verses earlier in Philippians, he does. And then verse 12, he says this. Not that I have already obtained it, He's talking about perfection, you know, which ultimately happens at the resurrection, which he's going to be talking about through this chapter. Not that I've already obtained it, because he hasn't won the race yet, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and what? Reaching forward to what? What? What lies ahead? Okay. You don't. I always say you don't. If you live by looking in your rearview mirror, you're going to get an accident. Amen. If you're always looking behind you. Amen. There's a time to look to back up, but you want to look forward for the most part. Amen. The rearview mirror isn't so you can constantly be looking in what's behind you. That's deadly. And that's what a lot of times people do. They look at their past and they can't believe that this person hurt them. And, And my heart breaks for everybody that gets hurt. But don't stay there. Do what Paul did, forgetting what lies behind. Don't let bitterness or or anger take you over because of something that happened in your life before. Amen? Let it go. The word forgive in the Greek means let go. Let it go and move forward. But what if that person gets away? You You should be praying for people's salvation. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. Amen? When Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, you know what he's talking about there? It's right after he says, that if you just love your own family, you're just like the pagans because they love their own families. What better are you than they, the heathen, he says, if you just love your own family members. But I say to you, he says, love your enemies. For your Father in heaven causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And in Luke, he says in chapter 6, the Sermon on the Plain, he says, you know, uh, if you want to be like your Father in heaven, the Most High God, you need to love your enemies because he loves his enemies. Amen. Amen. So we have to love them. And if they ask for your, your, your coat, give them your shirt, he says. Amen. And then it's in that context, he says, be perfect as your, father, as your Father in heaven is perfect. We need to grow in love, in other words. T, the word perfect isn't, you know, and eventually will be absolutely perfect, but not in this lifetime. But the Greek word is teleos, right? Telios, and the word teleos means complete, mature. So if we want to be mature and be like our Father, we need to grow in love towards those who hurt us, Amen. And not be all caught up looking back at what happened in the past or how someone... If someone's in sin and they're rebelling against you, you need to go to them in love and say, hey, you know, uh, you got to turn from this, man. You're just, you're, you, you know, you're getting drunk, you know, or you're, you're, you're committing adultery or whatever it is, and lovingly confront them because we need to make sure that we're encouraging one another daily, amen, right? And that we're warning them. But at the same time, love people. If you've been hurt, just, you know, remember... Jesus says rejoice when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake because you have what? Treasure in heaven. Amen? So it's important that we don't look back. Remember Jesus said three words in Luke chapter uh, 17 verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. She looked back. Lot wasn't perfect, but he was declared a righteous man. He got mixed up, messed up because he was in total confusion at one point, but he was vexed by all the evil around him. And but she looked back. His wife looked back. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, listen to this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? So we need to stay the course. We need to make sure we don't look back and go back to the world. Amen? And the things of the world. It's very critical that we don't do that. In fact, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, and Paul had a lot of gain. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, man. He was celebrated as a young, zealous Pharisee. And he was persecuting the church. And a lot of people were like, "Good, go after those Christians, those Jews that had become Christians. He was trying to make them blaspheme God. He'd go house to house and drag them out, trying to get them to denounce Christ. What a horrible thing he was doing. And then he repented and he came to Christ. Remember, Jesus appeared on the road to Damascus and that conversion. Well, Paul says, whatever things were gain to me, Those things I have counted as lost for the sake of who? Christ. Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of what? I love this. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Man, Jesus blows everything else out. Again, what is the profit you gain the whole world? He says, and lose your soul. Then he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but what? I count them but rubbish. What's Rubbish trash i count the things i had before that the world that was so awesome in luke sixteen eight, jesus says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to god so a lot of things the world esteems an abomination to god he said i count those past things i was doing as rubbish he says so that i what My, th- that i may gain christ he had to make a choice right the u-turn shuv metanoia boom jesus first no longer the rubbish by the way, the Greek word for rubbish there, it's an interesting Greek word. It's skubalon. Skoubalon. Scooby-Doo was named after skubalon. <laughs> not really. I don't know why that came to me earlier today. I was like, skoubalon, that's just a, a weird word. It's, it's one of those Greek words that I like to say, but it's not a good meaning. It's trash. It's, it means poop or excrement. That's what it's used of. Trash and dung. It's translated dung. You're right. It's translated dung, I think, in the King James Or some translations have it as dung, others have it as rubbish. Uh, That's, you guys, don't go back to the world. Don't go back to where you were. If you go back to the world, remember what happened with the, they're coming out of Egypt, they're going to the promised land, and they went back. Well, a lot of them wanted to go back. And instead of remembering the whips on their back forcing them to do this hard labor, Satan deceived them and made them think of the onions and the leeks and the garlic. Right? And all these things. Mm, we missed that. We've just got this quill once in a while and we're eating this manna and we're getting tired of it. We want to go back. The promised land straight ahead. It should have taken them 40 years to get there. God was disciplining them. They could have made it there pretty quick. Weeks, maybe. It wasn't that far. But they had their... A lot of them were fixed on the past. The scuba lawn. Why don't they go back? And it's worse if you go back after you've been saved. Do you know that? If, you know, we've... Peter describes the believers in chapter 1, verse 3. In 2 Peter, those who have escaped the corruptions of the world through lust. The world's corrupted through the lust, it goes on. And they've escaped it, he says. And that's good. But then he warns in chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. He says, For if after they have escaped the corruptions of the world through knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, the Greek is epigenosis, knowing, it's experiential knowledge, having a relationship with Jesus, if after they've escaped the corruption of the world through knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again, a second time, again, entangled in it and overcome, the last state or the original state, or the last state of them is worse than the first original state before they were saved. It's worse. He goes on to say, for it would been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, Jesus is the way of righteousness, he's the way, the truth, and life, than after having known it to turn from the Holy Commandment delivered to them. He says, for it's happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. And a sow after washing to her wallowing in the mud or mire. And the illustration that he uses in the proverbs there is a dog who's gotten rid of the corruption, got rid of the poison, right? He's free of the poison. He vomited it out. He's free. Goes back and laps it up again. Dogs tend to do that. That's so gross, but dogs do that. And I saved this illustration long before Bible was over. But look at the clock, and I'm like, "Man, it's crazy! Uh, Time goes so fast." But uh, and then the pig, the picture there is a pig being washed. That's and then going back after it's been washed, the picture is a believer being washed because he says a little bit before that, he says, "Don't get to the point where you forget that you were washed from your past sins." It's the illustration of being washed and then going back after you. Only Christians have been washed. Amen. It's far worse and. It's a reference to, I believe, to Jesus' teaching where he talks about a man as an illustration who has a demon in him, and the demon is cast out, right? And that man's swept clean, right? And then that demon goes to dry places and finds seven demons more wicked than himself and brings them back, and they enter into the man. And great is the fall of that demon-possessed man, because now he's got seven plus one, and his fall is worse. It's worse than it was before he was saved, so you want to make sure you don't go back. Amen? Don't go back. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. Amen? So after the, uh, after the uh, Super Bowl, whoever wins will be on podiums, and they'll stand up. They'll get their rings. There'll be confetti, people cheering. It's just a temporary thing. You guys know who won Super Bowl twenty-seven. It just gets forgotten in time, you know? Don't look it up. I'm, I just picked that out of there. It meant nothing. But I'm just saying, but guess what? This is eternal. Amen? And what's interesting is we're going for something far bigger. So the next thing is we need to press on, press on so that we can obtain the out-resurrection. The out-resurrection. Look at verses 10 and 11. What am I talking about? Chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul said that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Then verse 11, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He wants to obtain, make sure he gets to the resurrection of the dead. But, there's, but the Greek isn't usually brought out. And I'm bummed out that more translators do not bring out the Greek because it's not the, uh, the, the typical uh, Greek word for a resurrection, you know, the anastasis. It's not... You know, anastasis, it's ex-anastasis, okay? Ek in the Greek would be ek-anastasis, E-K-anastasis. And remember what the preposition ek means? Out of. out of, or out from within. Good job. Ex-anastasis. So ex-anastasis, ek-anastasis in the Greek, means you literally read it. And in fact, I've, I looked at different translations this morning. The brian literal Bible says this. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from out of the dead. That's a good translation. That's literal. Debris and literal. So, and I, I I wish they would be more literal some of these translations, but that I might obtain, Paul says, the resurrection out from among the dead. What's he talking about there? There's two resurrections. There's the general resurrection of the dead. Everybody's gonna be raised, wicked and righteous. Daniel says in Daniel chapter 12 that many will be, you know, that the, they'll rise from the dust, some to everlasting life, and some to everlasting contempt. Jesus in Matthew chapter. No, John chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. He said, he talked about how the dead will hear his voice. And they that have done good, we raise to the resurrection of life. But they that have done evil, to the resurrection of damnation. Right? Revelation chapter 20, right after Jesus comes back, second coming, comes for his bride, and then it describes the resurrection. And then listen to what it says. It says, blessed and holy are those who take part in the, first resurrection the first meaning there's a second one for over them the second death has no power exonastasis they're separated from the rest of the dead in the second death the lake of fire has no power over them that that's the resurrection you want the first resurrection you want to cast, cast the first train out of here amen when Jesus comes back, because the other resurrection isn't until after a thousand years later. And everybody that's in Hades right now, and those that will continue in Hades, they'll be resurrected. And then they'll, Revelation 20, 11 through 15 shows what happens when they're resurrected. Then everybody whose name is not found in the, in the, in the book of life, they're, th- they're thrown alive in the, lake, or thrown in the lake of fire. That's serious stuff. So Paul presses on so he can win his race, amen, and partake of the first resurrection, amen, Anastasis. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it talks this hall of faith chapter, amen. In this Hall of Faith chapter, it's really awesome. uh, In chapter 11 and then then 12, Jesus becomes the focal point of the ultimate hero of the faith. But at the end of chapter 11, it talks about those who did not accept their release while they were being tortured. And they said, no, they're going to do it for the Lord. They're not going to deny the Lord. You know what it says? That they might obtain a better resurrection. They didn't want to deny Christ and be involved in the resurrection of the wicked of those who denounce Christ. These things should be talked about more, by the way. Okay, and I don't believe these kinds of things should be reserved for deep Bible studies. Sunday is our deep Bible study. Amen. Okay, we still get in the milk, but we but this is a very milky message. Wait, how could you say this is milk? Because when when Hebrews chapter uh, twelve or chapter six, and Paul says, "Let's go on to maturity," or the author of Hebrews, I should say, says it's going to maturity beyond the ABCs, uh, not building the foundations of of repentance and faith again and so forth. You know what he says? He gives the ABCs the faith and like the, the, the teachings of the Resurrections. I mean, that's foundational stuff we should know. But you wouldn't even know there's a distinction here. But it's important to understand what Paul wants to obtain. He wants to obtain the out-resurrection. Therefore, verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, look at verse 20. Drop down to verse 20. For our citizenship is in Christ, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble uh, estate, into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. I'm gonna hit some things really quick. Be coachable. Hebrews 12 talks about how God disciplines us. He's our chief, he's our head coach. He's called the chief shepherd, Amen? amen? And we need to be coachable and not get bitter when we're going through trials. You need to make sure you're coachable because he says not to get bitter toward the Lord in Hebrews chapter 12. Like Esau, who failed the grace of God, because he says he disciplines you so you'll partake of his holiness, he says. And you know why he says that? Because in verse 14 he says, without holiness no one will see the Lord. So if you're not coachable, a lot of people are cut from teams because they're not coachable. Or because they don't learn the playbook. Oh, they're lazy. They don't learn the playbook. You, there's, you, gotta, you get a playbook, man, and you're in the NFL, and you don't learn it, you're lazy, you get cut. I don't care how good you are. They read, they study, they memorize it. The Bible says that's what I'm supposed to be doing with God's word. I've hid your heart, word in my heart so I won't sin against you. Young man, you're strong, you've overcome the evil one because the word of God abides in you, amen? How shall a young man keep his way strong by keeping according to thy word? If you're a Christian, you want to win the Christian Super Bowl, you need to make sure you're in the word, amen? I was reading where Brock Purdy says every morning when he wakes up, you know what he does? He says, I read Psalm 23 about the Lord being my shepherd and realize that's the main thing in life, that he has to be first. He has to be my shepherd. I read the word of God, you know? We ought to be doing that, amen? We ought to be doing that. You need to be in prayer with your head coach the Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And guess what? The coach sends in the plays. They're communicating with him. They're praying. No? Well, what are they doing? You ever see the quarterback on? You see him go like this? You know? Why are they doing that? They're trying to hear what the coach is saying. Either the head coach or the assistant coach. So the crowd noise. They spend time with the coach and they get the chaos away from them so they can know the marching orders. you got all kinds of chaos chaos around you. Make sure you're spending time with the coach. Amen. I've got some good things when I was praying about this through the night. I just kept waking up, and just, you know? And that's important to do that, amen? And man, they, now the play stop, as soon as the play is about to start, they cut that off because you can't talk to the coach. He can't say, hey, so and so is open deep, dummy, hit him over in the corner. You can't communicate. The coach can't communicate. But guess what? We get to communicate with our coach all the time. Amen. No matter how chaotic it is, because he wants us to win, amen? So, what benefits we have in Jesus, amen? Man, I can't believe I only had 10 pages of notes, man. And I couldn't get through them all. But did you get a good feeding today? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Give him glory. We love you, Father. Praise your name. He's good. I'm doing part two of this, by the way, on, uh, on Wednesday then. Okay. Part two, Super Bowl, people are still talking about, we're talking about the main Super Bowl still, amen? So part two of this will be, but I want to play something for you as they pass out communion. But you guys, don't get, don't say, oh, it's over, and oh, communion, and, and lose your focus, because I want you to watch a video clip of Mr. Irrelevant, so-called, Brock Purdy, who's not Mr. Irrelevant. He's a child of God in Christ Jesus, I hope he stays the course. He appears to be, this is uh, some clips, you know, I want you to see of. Uh, where he's at his testimony as, as we pass out the cup of the bread and as you pass it out just take it but try to stay focused on this as we close if we could play that that'd be great brock party everybody bro come on in here man congratulations young man you just led one of the biggest comeback the nfc championship game history what
1: was the key to the amazing comeback man first of all glory to god um, he, he's given us this opportunity. Whatever I'm doing, I know what my purpose is, and that's in the Lord. That's what my identity is in. It's not a football player, or an athlete, anything like that. The bottom line is what I believe in, what the Lord, and, and what the Bible says. One of the things that you know I had been reading throughout the season was uh, Mark 8:34 talks about Jesus is telling his disciples, "If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it." with myself and like my mindset with it was exactly that that verse that jesus had told his disciples thousands of years ago don't try to hold on to your life you're going to lose it you know and the world wants you to go this way or that way and uh the the minute you have fame and if you're trying to chase status and money and all this kind of stuff you'll lose your life rather than you know denying yourself picking up your cross keeping my eyes on jesus and his promises this is who god has called me to be and i've believed that from day one i believe that jesus christ did come down and died for my sins and and rose again and, and he's living, you know, he's living and sitting beside God on the throne. And so I believe that it's not just some story, fairy tale thing. It's, it's real, you know, be set apart. You know, it's, it's easy to yes, repent of your sins and um, be about Jesus, but you know, to know, Hey, I can't keep doing this sin. you know, I have acknowledged it. I got to move on, but um, to be on fire for the Lord and to walk with him, I think right now, man, I'm living set apart from the world. People can think, this about me or whatever, that's fine. The the bottom line is for me, my identity is in Jesus. I get that. um, And I'm going to, I'm going to roll with that, but it's not, Hey, I'm better than you No, it's I'm called to do this. I'm called to witness. I'm called to share the word, man. I just want to, I just want to be able to witness and defend the Christian faith as best as I can moving forward.
0: all the all the temptation all the stuff that's thrown at him and all the people that want to make him compromise and so forth uh pray for him that he would the main thing is you know I never prayed for the 49ers to win, but, you know, <laughs> but I pray that he does good, and whether he does good or bad on the field, I pray that he does good by the Lord. That's what my main thing is, be a witness, because the main thing is that he wants to be a shining light for Jesus, and I don't know where he's at totally, but he seems like a sincere kid, and uh, keep him in prayer, you know, keep all those players in prayer that they would all come to know Jesus, amen. There's very few platforms Christians are able to raise their voice in this world because we're hated for Christ's namesake, sake, Amen. So I pray whatever happens with him, and I do pray, Lord, he does good. But if he throws three picks, may he still be good in your eyes and what he does. Amen. That he be a good witness. That's the main thing. Amen. I'm not prophesying three picks. I'm hoping zero picks. Okay. But I love you guys. We all got the cup and bread.